Hello, everyone, and welcome to Anthropologically Speaking. I'm Katie. And I'm Isabel. And unfortunately, our dear co-host is can't make it with us today. So, But we know she's out there listening. So yeah, hi! <laughs> Hopefully you enjoy the episode from the other side of the of the radio <laughs> yes <laughs> curious yeah so today we've got a really really cool topic um we're gonna be talking about mummies <laughs> yeah so mummies are something that like i think everybody um in some sense like has some sort of cultural awareness of mummies what mummies are um especially egyptian mummies yeah, I feel like everyone goes through an ancient Egyptian mummy phase when they're a kid, if you have any interest in archaeology and yeah. shiny things, basically. <laughs> like, I definitely, definitely um, went through an ancient Egypt phase, and I remember the very first time that I saw a mummy in real life, and it was when my parents took me to the Royal Ontario Museum, and they've got a few mummies there. They've got... Uh, Noct, Anchao, and Jedmanasan, and they've got another pre-dynastial mummy that is unnamed. They don't know the name, <laughs> but um, they're all really interesting to see. So yeah, um, let's maybe talk about what a mummy is. Yeah, so there's two types of mummies. Um, one is it becomes a mummy due to human interaction and purposefully turning a human body into a mummy mummy and the second one is it becomes naturally preserved by its environment so um we'll talk about a little more about human intervention when we talk about how ancient egyptian mummies are created but uh, naturally preserved usually happens because they get dried out in their environment and bacteria can't typically grow and um, desiccate the body mm-hmm. um yeah, and mummies, you can actually find them pretty much anywhere in the world. Like, a lot of people, when they think mummies, like we said, they just think, like, oh, ancient Egypt. But actually, there are mummies in all sorts of cultures all over the world, which is really cool to think about. I agree. And I feel like a lot of people only think that mummies can be created in cold, um, arid environments. But in fact... A hot arid. Oops, oh. yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they yeah they naturally occur in a whole bunch of environments such as cold yeah <laughs> and um sometimes also, wet yeah yeah in like bog environments they're very common bog. and like that's honestly the best <laughs> way they can be res- uh, preserved because due to low temperatures and an acidic environment so it really slows the comp- com- decomposition De- down composition. and eliminates <laughs> <laughs> eliminates oxygen i think from the body so that bacteria yeah. can't grow once yeah. again and desiccate the body um so lots of chemistry goes on there that's yeah. really cool that i don't fully understand but <laughs> yeah let's talk about um some mummy examples shall we, we so shall. of course like there's egypt we're gonna not talk too much right now about egypt we'll talk a bit later about the preparation in egypt and if you remember is talked about it a bunch when she was talking about Tutankhamun in mm-hmm. our what was that pop called no i feel mm-hmm. like that's pop culture yeah that was our that, pop culture week or our tourism week one of those yeah no tourism mm. Gotta listen to both to find out. (laughs) (laughs) That's how we catch people. (laughs) So, but yeah, um, there's there's also bog bodies. I find bog bodies fascinating, and these are like, um, it's a low temperature and acidic environment, and it preserves bodies. Like when you put a body in a bog, it really slows down decomposition. And um, now I can't say decomposition. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, 
but like the acid in the bog starts tanning the skin um and nails and different parts of the body and bacteria stops growing so there's like Isabel said, like lots of chemistry that we're not going to get into the specifics <laughs> of the chemistry, but yeah, we can it's... pretend it's for your sake, but realistically, I have actually no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a mummy expert. <laughs> so yeah, there's uh do you want to talk a bit about the Chinchoro mummy? Oh yeah. So these, um, actually I'm going to let you take this one away. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> no worries. Okay. So these, uh, the Chinchoro mummies are actually the world's oldest mummies. Um, they were mummified around 5,000 BC, which is about 2,000 years before the Egyptians were mummifying. So that's pretty significant. Um, and it's in modern day Chile and it's like a super dry area. So, um, apparently they may be liquefying. <laughs> I added that to you your notes. <laughs> I saw that online. It's like because of climate change, it's like warming up or whatever and, apparently the bodies are turning into like black slime because beautiful the changing environment <laughs> is reactivating flesh eating bacteria yum yum <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay um so there's also mummification is not a thing of the past mummification is a thing today i mean in some ways i would consider like modern western embalming a form of mummification yeah absolutely um but we're gonna talk about um one of my favorite cases the tarajan people i i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that right but uh they're from indonesia and basically they used to treat bodies of the dead with like tea and herbs um and now actually they use industrial formaldehyde which is a bit of a shift so they kind of embalm the body and what they do is when like a loved one dies they often keep the body um they will treat it and then they will often keep it in the home for quite a while uh years even um and until they're at the funeral and burial actually happens they're not considered dead they're just considered sick yeah i've heard i think i was telling you about the book i'm reading right now for yeah a class where the person isn't actually considered dead they're considered like some sort of i think it's like sleeping or ill until a bull is killed on their behalf and then yeah, they, they can have finally, sacrifices yeah move on into yeah. death basically yeah so they keep them for a while there's actually this really adorable story i read where um there was a couple and the the wife died and the husband who was still alive said don't go burying the body like quickly because i want to die with her so they waited until he died like biologically died and then they buried them together so that in that culture they were considered to have gone to death together that's really nice it's a really <laughs> adorable story yeah and i like how in these cultures like they interact with the dead it's not so much medicalized and like taken oh, yeah. away from us it's like they are encountering it and accepting it and they interact with their dead continuously and they maintain that relationship even after death and they'll take their mummies out and they'll hang out with them and people are excited to see their loved ones even in their yeah. mummified form and it's it's really awesome it's 
it's just kind of it's really com- different than what we yeah, have here completely contrasting western culture where we're like fear hiding the dead, the dead. Yeah, yeah keeping them far away from us basically yeah and then actually in that culture they yearly remove the bodies from the tombs and they do things like they put makeup on them they dress them they interact with them clean them clean them um and they just have a really good time with their loved ones who have passed but um are still there in spirit with them i love that honestly i do too (laughs) like i want people to play with my dead body when i'm (laughs) okay (laughs) moving to the next topic (laughs) oh please katie like you don't (laughs) don't deny it (laughs) oh my god should we talk about how it's made mummy edition we we both talked about that. Thank you very much. <laughs> what? No. no, no, we well, okay, we're going to later talk about how mummies are made. Um but like it does kind of sound like an episode of how it's made. Uh, okay. Anyhow, <laughs> so let's now talk about how mummies are made. So Egyptian wow. mummies are an example of human um intervention in mummification and it actually takes 70 days to mummify a body in ancient egypt i heard that they lose about 75 percent of their body weight too through their yeah they're dried up totally desiccated yeah what are you doing with your hands over there i'm I'm (laughs) curling into the fetal position to like signify drying up i love that (laughs) i'm a method actor (laughs) even on the radio (laughs) yes you can't see me but i'm doing it (laughs) um but yeah so there's the removal of internal organs, including the brain, through the nostrils. And um, that was really interesting because they had to not damage the face while they're taking out the brain. Um, they, like, liquefy it, right? They, like, kind of just, like... I don't remember. They, they, stick, they, they stick a hook. They stick a hook in there yeah. and they, like, swirl it around inside your brain. And then they pour <laughs> it out through your nose into a bowl. Yeah. Because like, they place no Yeah, they just thought it was head stuffing. Like, oh, brain. it's head stuffing. It was all about the it's heart. The heart. Yeah, yeah, they left the heart in because that the, that's what they saw. thought that the spirit was engulfed in. Yeah, so they took all the other organs out, but they left in the heart. Um, and depending on what period of ancient Egypt you're talking about, the organs were either placed in jars called canopic jars, or they were placed back in the mummy. Um, they were placed back later in time. Um they then uh, dried the body with natron salt, um, and then they'd clean the salt off after it's all dried, and they'd fill the sunken body, and then they'd wrap it with linen and resin. Neat. Yeah. <laughs> so the Chinchoro mummies, which we talked about earlier, they do it a bit differently. So there are, I think, five different types of Chinchoro mummies. Uh, I think some of them are naturally dried, but um, the ones we're going to talk about are human intervention. The most prominent type of Chinchoro mummies are the red mummies and the black mummies. So the red mummies are cut open to remove organs and then they're dried. And the black mummies are, they completely take apart the dead, treat it, and put it back together, including the skin. Do you know what that means, take them apart? I don't. (laughs) I like, I have ideas about what it could mean. (laughs) Is it just stuff you're making up in your head or is this from actual research? No, no, they do take it apart. They do take it apart. I think it's like a disassembling type deal. Like they take the skin off, they take, they, they take it apart, they treat them all individually and then they reassemble the body. Does the family do that? I'm not quite sure. That might be something to look into. Yeah. I know in Egypt they had actually like embalmers. Yeah. Um, that had roles and that was that was part of their role so i'm not sure yeah um i don't know a lot about chinchoro mummies sorry um, to call you out <laughs> <laughs> meanie <laughs> but um yeah i don't know a lot about chinchoro mummies which is um 
kind of funny due to the fact that they're like the first mummies that we have record of so um there's also of course natural mummification like the bog example we talked about uh, often natural mummification comes from extreme temperatures um and lime preserves bodies so um lime in soil if you pour quick lime over somebody <laughs> um i read a case study about that okay okay (laughs) um but yeah let's talk about some famous mummies do you wanna we're not gonna talk too much about king tut we'll like give you a couple pointers on him but um it's (laughs) talked about him before so yeah we don't want to reiterate we covered most of him but um i actually don't know much about him as a mummy i mostly just know about him like archaeologically so he lived in 1300s bce which is um before common era also known as BC, but that's over explaining. Um, <laughs> so he was discovered in 1922, uh, very well preserved with like thousands of artifacts. And then he went on a world tour. He was and he's on a world tour right now. And he's, uh, I think he's either going to be or in Australia right now. Um, mm-hmm. Hello across the Pacific. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a large listening base. You know what? Australia. I have a lot of friends in Australia. Maybe okay. they do listen. That I don't know. Great. If you're listening from Australia, let us know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he was actually the first mummy to be issued a passport. That is so cool. I know. That is really like cool. Like he got his little passport picture taken and everything. Oh. <laughs> Okay, so now we're going to talk about the Tolland Man. So he's uh, one of the bog people that we talked about. And he was found in 1950 in Denmark. And what's kind of cool about when he was found is that he was so well-preserved that they thought he was, like, the people that found him, they are like, oh, it's a murder victim. And they called the police. But the police kind of thought something was up. And so they called a scientist over. And, of course, he was a bog man. Um, so they, researchers actually think he was killed as ritual sacrifice by hanging. I believe the rope is still around his neck. Yeah, I think so. And he would be in about 40 when he died. Um, and they, they continue to do research and chemical analysis on him. Cool. So do you want to chat about Utsi? Utsi the Iceman. So one of the most popular mummies. Um, I mean, you hear about him in many anthropology classes and also just pop culture. So he was found in 1991 by German tourists. Imagine being on vacation and just being like, oh, there's Utsi. (laughs) I think that's my dream, to be honest. Honestly, same. (laughs) Um, So he was dated to about 5,300 years ago. And he was really, really well-preserved. Um, I don't think as well-preserved as the Tolland Man. He was kind of more dried out and wrinkly. Yeah, the Tolland Man looks like he's, like, sleeping and yeah. dipped in black paint. <laughs> That's the best I can describe it. Look Such up a picture. Weird description. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they could actually identify his clothing material. He was wearing leather and hides. And these uh, materials actually indicated that he was... Um, likely a goat. And a goat? <laughs> I'm not done talking. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> a goat, sheep, Sorry, and the... cow herder. Thank you, Katie. No, but you said a goat, and you said and, which I ended. <laughs> yeah, I was and sheep and cow. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jeez. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> so, Oetzi suffered a very violent death, unfortunately. He... <laughs> I'm sorry, you've really thrown me off now. <laughs> this is a keep going, keep going. So he had a deep cut on his hand between his pointer finger and his thumb, I think it was, that he was trying to treat with moss. 
Um, he also had an arrowhead in his shoulder, which was likely the cause of death, as he probably bled to death. I think there was, like, evidence of that within his red blood cells and stuff. He was that well-preserved. They could actually check out his red blood cells. Pretty cool. I know. Um, so he was carrying medicinal materials, such as moss and liver warts. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you what those are. I, I know it's what moss is, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so they were able to do an analysis of his stomach contents and found pollen indicating he had eaten 36 hours before he died at a lower elevation. Um, so this means he was likely wandering. Maybe he was running from whoever had shot an arrow at him. That should be a natural instinct yep. to run away. Um, his last meal was unleavened bread, deer meat, and berries. And based on his clothing and the hair on his clothing. Oh, I already said this. He likely herded cows. He likely was goat. a goat. He, likely, he was a goat. Oops, that's a plot twist. Yeah. So he also carried a bronze axe and a bow and arrow, and he actually leaned the bow and arrow up against a tree prior to his death. So maybe he knew he was dying, which is kind of sad. Aww. He also had, fun facts, he had bad knees and Lyme disease. Not rhymes. to rhyme, but... <laughs> Spitting rhymes over here. Yeah, look at me. I could be a rapper about <laughs> anthropology. Yeah. That should be our next episode. I oh, think. yeah. <laughs> our next episode will be delivered entirely in spoken word by Isabel. <laughs> oh, my God. It's too much pressure, Katie. Um, the next one we were going to talk about is a really modern one. It's uh, Green Boots. So Green Boots is an individual who died on Mount Everest. Um, it's likely the individual is likely an individual by the name of Soang Paljor. I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Um, and uh, yeah, this was a Mount Everest climber. And basically, there's like a little cave or shelter area, I think, on the north end of the mountain. And people would stop there and they'd rest there and you'd be right beside his body and the reason he's preserved is because of the extreme cold nice. now he was moved in 2014 um there's i haven't been able to find a lot out about like where he was moved to but he's definitely not in that visible like cave shelter area anymore but yeah i've heard on mount everest like climbers use bodies to yeah, like use like, like point guide. waypoints yeah. it's like oh i'm going the right way because there's that another dead body it's yeah. kind of morbid, but I it love is. it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't love people died. It's just, it's an interesting fact. Um, so now we're going to get a little more intense. So we're going to talk about mummies in the West and mummies in Western culture. This is mostly going to be particularly about Egyptian mummies. So Egyptomania remains a thing, but it was a huge thing during the Victorian era. So they would bring mummies over from Egypt as like effectively like commodities, um, and he'd use them as fuel and fertilizer, which is, I don't know how one is like, this is a good idea. Like, I'm that going hurts my to, soul. Yeah. Like, Imagine how much they could find out from all those mummies that were literally used to grow cabbage. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, imagine bringing a deceased individual across the world in order to use them as fertilizer. That hurts. Like, yeah. there's tons of dead people here. Just use them. Yeah. Well, they actually did. They, for oh. other, for other things, I think they use like irish skulls or something like different like like in the past we might even do an episode on like the crazy life of corpses because especially in like the victorian I know that's what you're gonna title the episode <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah um especially in the victorian era they were doing some crazy things with the dead but um one of the things they do with egyptian mummies is they'd make paint 
<laughs> so yeah, there's a color that we no longer really have. It's called mummy brown, and it's literally made up of ground Egyptian mummies. Can you imagine going to the hairdresser and being like, "Yeah, I'd like to dye my hair mummy, mummy brown, brown today." <laughs> <laughs> That's a decision. Yeah. <laughs> But from about the 16th century, the 20th century, um, at which time they ran out of quality mummies. <laughs> wait, <laughs> That's wait, wait, literally wait, wait. something I read. What does that mean? I guess like mummies that are like paint grade. Oh my God, that sounds awful. <laughs> but um, yeah. So, I'm going to Google this color. Yeah, it's, it's a fine color. Oh my God. The first thing that came up was mummy brown paint for sale. Oh no, don't buy it. Don't <laughs> buy it. <laughs> I'm um, here for it. But yeah actually there are stories of some artists that actually like buried their tubes of paint and gave them a proper burial once they found oh, out that good. mummy brown was actually made of mummies it's actually is... a really pretty brown i'm gonna be honest it's yeah. kind of like an auburny color yeah it's not really a color they can recreate very well with pigments today honestly good yeah so. <laughs> yeah the other thing that's really exciting satire not satire sarcasm yeah anyhow um um, was that we've mentioned these before but mummy unwrapping parties Mm -hmm. um victorian elites would you know just order a mummy on amazon or the equivalent of amazon (laughs) at the day (laughs) yes um new finding publish it um (laughs) but in the 19th century they'd take an egyptian mummy they'd bring it home they'd invite their friends over and they would unwrap it which is hugely disrespectful hugely destructive hugely pointless and very macabre yeah so that's one thing they also used mummies in medicine which is in a way a little cannibalistic um so it was most popular in the 16th and 17th centuries so they would literally steal egyptian mummies like a lot of these mummies like they were not supposed to leave egypt like they would be taken it's actually horrible it is people were meant to be in these graves or tombs for the rest of However Especially long. when you consider the beliefs of ancient Egyptians. Like the afterlife. Yeah, and, like yeah, they're completely the body disturbing. for the afterlife. They felt that they needed their body for the afterlife. They need to be recognized in the afterlife. And they're turning them into paint. Yeah, so problems. <laughs> problems. Um, but yeah, it's uh, medicine was actually not limited to mummies. They used other deceased individuals from other places also, as I mentioned. And um, one of the examples was they made mummy into a tincture for internal bleeding don't know how well that worked but (sighs) that's horrible just to go back though yeah i read this out to katie earlier that i mean we're allowed to steal mummies now because i mean we're not allowed to but people (laughs) do because (laughs) anyway uh in ancient egypt if people grave robbed the tombs of mummies they (laughs) this is more but i probably shouldn't talk about this they were like be publicly executed so they would get the bottoms of their feet beaten and then they would be uh, impaled by a stick yep so i mean i feel like that's fair justice because these people wanted to be in their tombs for the rest of eternity yeah sad yeah i made myself sad yeah so we're gonna quickly talk about some cool mummy research so one of my favorites this is like brand new this is this year is nezmayun who was a priest that lived 3,000 years ago in ancient Egypt, and his voice would have been really important for him through chanting and everything. In fact, on his uh, coffin instructions, it said he wanted to address the gods even after death. So, researchers actually scanned him. They made a 3D model of his vocal tract. They 3D printed it and used an artificial voice box or larynx. Um, to produce sound so we can actually hear what his voice would have sounded like really cool and they're working to increase like 
the kind of um like they're looking to um use like linguistic anthropology as well to kind of combine that and maybe make him say some things he would have kind of things he would have said at the time that's like a little creepy it is but i mean it's it's his death wish which is really remarkable how they're able to serve him in that way yeah that's really awesome yeah and even at mcmaster we've had some research on mummies um and some of the mummy research can really help us now so uh dr poinar um one of both isabel and i's former professors um in his lab they actually looked at a 16 century um italian child mummy thought to have smallpox and they found out that it actually has hep b and it tells us a lot about the virus and it's they found out it's actually nearly unchanged so a lot of i think one million people in the world die from hep b every year um it's a huge problem and we don't have a cure we only have a vaccine for prep prevention and of course we've got some treatments uh, if you have access to them but yeah. um mummies can tell us a lot about today as well so do we want to hear some fun money, mummy facts? Yes, we do. All right, I'll go quick. So one, the Egyptians apparently used onions to fill body cavities and sometimes used them as replacement eyes. Two, the most famous mummy likely is Vladimir Lenin, who was well-preserved and constantly re-injected with preservatives to keep him from decomposing, and people visit him. Three, more than one million mummies have been found in Egypt, and majorly cats. So that's pretty fun. Yeah, not only humans were mummified, it was animals as well tons of animals yeah, mm-hmm. yeah yeah crocodiles i think i think i've seen a crocodile that'd be cool yeah um and then four they have found dna from a mummy dating back to uh 2012 bc meaning essentially they could clone a mummy a gross implication of science but yes <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> i love the enthusiasm towards cloning <laughs> i said essentially the, con- <laughs> the consent part is a little iffy there but um <laughs> It's true. Yeah. Okay. Ethics of human cloning in general is a little bit, well, very, very iffy. Yeah. And like the amount of degradation to the DNA would definitely be hard to, I mean, they didn't say anything about this on it on this nine facts, fun, fun facts about mummies website, but <laughs> <laughs> it would definitely be fragmented. And yeah. Stuff, so like they usually use ancient dna techniques if it's something like that which have come a long way yeah and the cool thing about mummies too is that because they've got soft tissue you can learn a lot more about them especially paleopathology wise like you can see maybe if they had soft tissue trauma yeah which Um, there was one of the pharaohs that that likely had might have had smallpox due to the he had like holes on his face because and you wouldn't be able to see that without soft tissue which is really really cool um so we are ending for this week but we're going to do our non-human listener shout out of the week, um, which is going to be my aunt's dog, Tinsel. She's a little Yorkie. She's very tiny and she is a fireball. So hi, Tinsel. <laughs> hi, Tinsel. <laughs> Hopefully you're listening. And next week we've got a really neat show for you. Um, we're likely going to be talking about death and dying. That's the plan. It's the tentative plan. So um, tune back for another great episode, regardless of what we're talking about. Hopefully it'll hopefully it'll be great. Yeah, it'll be really cool because and me and Katie are both in a religious studies class about death and dying. Yes, so we are. So have some neat insight and hopefully a guest to come talk about yeah. it. Yeah. So thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great week. And I'm just going to embrace that at this point. Stay bony. <laughs> <laughs>